You're listening to the National Health Executive's Finger on the Pulse podcast with me, your host, Matt Roberts, to guide you beyond the headlines with news, views, and insider truths from across the healthcare sector. Today's episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast is brought to you by SilverCloud, the trusted leader in digital mental health and wellbeing. Over half a million people globally have been helped through their 30 plus digital therapy programs. Welcome back to NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Today's episode sees us talking all about mental health, COVID-19, and how it all fits in together. But to offer valuable insight into these discussions for the day, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Lloyd Humphreys, who's Head of Europe at Silver Cloud Health. Thanks so much for joining me, Lloyd. No problem at all. Thank you. And I suppose there's a nice sort of stepping in point for maybe those in our audience who don't know who, what Silver Cloud do. Would you mind just giving a little bit of explanation of both the organisation and also your role within it? Yes, so Silver Cloud Health is a digital mental health platform uh, that has over 30 plus programs of internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy. So this means that people can access evidence-based interventions wherever they are, um, whenever they choose. So it's delivered by lots of different uh, types of organizations. We work with over 150 plus organizations here in the UK and 300 uh, globally um, within the National Health Service and and outside of it as well. So to give you an idea of scale, about 75% of uh, improving access to psychological therapies services use Silver Cloud uh, within their kind of uh, their pathways. To give you a little bit of background on myself, um, I'm Dr. Lloyd Humphreys. Um, I'm the head of Europe, so I look after the organization um, within UK and Europe. And by background, I'm actually a clinical psychologist by training. I suppose that gives you quite a unique um, insight into the discussions where we're going to go on to, um, both from the clinician side and the sort of uh, organizational side with your work currently. And it's one of those things that obviously, as we mentioned in the intro, Part of this is around COVID-19, and while it is a respiratory uh, virus in itself, mental health has been a huge talking point as a result of it. It's come to the forefront. Um, recent figures um, we saw ourselves at, at NHE were as many as one in five patients then suffering mental ill health down the line. All of this just it, it makes a real emphasis on why we have to get mental health right, don't we? It's significant now that we have provisions in place across the board. Yes, absolutely. And we're seeing sort of two types of impact of COVID-19. The first of those with people with existing mental health challenges where COVID-19 has exacerbated um, the the challenges that they experience and and, and perhaps kind of worsened some of their their symptoms and presentation um, due to kind of some of the restrictions, some of the impact of the uncertainty. We're also seeing those that may not have experienced mental health uh, in the past um, due to kind of the situation of of, uh, the COVID-19 starting to kind of show signs of stress, trauma and other types of kind of mental health as a consequence of having to deal with the uncertainty. So with this, we are kind of seeing a very significant kind of surge in mental health and it's likely to to kind of continue that kind of surge, which is going to kind of um, last much longer than these sort of the the life cycle of the virus if you like um, we won't see some of those the, the, the impact of that for, for some time to come um, so, so I think it's really important that we start to to look at pr- kind of prevention proactive responses uh, to the mental health crisis that is on its way yeah definitely and you sort of touched on in that explanation about uncertainty and that having quite a big impact is that something that really makes such an emphasis on the situation with COVID-19 that it's not just the virus itself that can have these negative impacts it's 
the uncertainty of going forward, it's the restrictions that need to be in place. It seems to have a much wider reaching or much more encompassing um, presence with on mental health. Yes, absolutely. So, so I think when um, people are trying to to manage the impact, the emotional impact of not seeing loved ones, uh, the uncertainty of of kind of workplace and employment, finances, uh, etc., that uncertainty um, is, it plays a critical role. The ability to to have a sense of control is really important in everybody's well-being and being able to psychologically prepare yourself um, for events and circumstances and situations is is really fundamental. And so therefore, the uncertainty that we've experienced is playing a real role. We saw this with the initial wave, particularly we're seeing this in in, in NHS workforce in the sense that people managed to kind of get through the initial wave. And when we kind of hit sort of July, August, etc um, we were starting to kind of feel that we were going to kind of come out of that and then the second wave hit and we hadn't really fully recovered from, from that initial wave as the second wave came we were told that obviously that there was hopes for a vaccine in September and then you know it's looking likely for December so that that uncertainty continues um, and because of that obviously our ability to to kind of manage the psychological impact um, is, is taking it taking its toll yeah absolutely and that especially for is probably one of the reasons we are seeing quite a lot of people who are newly presenting mental ill health or they're seeing problems exasperate to a point where they feel they need treatment um, and that really runs into one of the biggest points that's always been for mental health long before covid which is around stigma and making sure that um, solutions are accessible just how important is it especially now with people who are maybe new to engaging with mental health services um, there is a, a free and open environment I think is absolutely fundamental because the the universal truth is that we all have mental health, you know, and we're all on that continuum and we move up and down that continuum from good mental health um, to, to kind of not so good and poor mental health. And this is really important that we need to not talk about mental illness, but talk about mental health. And mental health is important to us all. So the way that we talk about it, the way that we communicate is absolutely kind of fundamental. And particularly during the pandemic, we must resist the urge to pathologize people's experiences. You know, I'd like to be kind of really clear on this is that, you know, huge numbers of people are having a completely normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And that's very different to when we think about sort of diagnosable kind of mental illness, when people might be experiencing an abnormal reaction to a normal situation. So it's really clear that we we shouldn't kind of pathologize, that we need to kind of normalize that these are normal reactions to a very unusual situation. And we must provide support around that. We mustn't take a kind of a disorder or a diagnostic necessarily approach to this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a, a brilliant way of putting it, that it is um such unusual circumstances that of course people are going to react in a way that is not what we'd normally see in greener pastures um, and, and better times and that really does help break down barriers doesn't it because if people can talk about it and that's in all sorts of means that's everything from discussions like this through to just talking with close loved ones and the current situation that can be very difficult for some people if it has to be through a phone or online or something like that can't it yeah, absolutely. And, and people want to access support and help in in their own way. And that's, you know, that means that kind of digital is not necessarily the panacea that should kind of replace other ways of, of kind of treatment. But it is uh, 
part of a package of care that can be made available to kind of help support different ways and and obviously kind of the, the younger generation like to kind of access digital at, on demand when when they kind of pick up their device other people want to kind of talk through that whether on the phone or video consultations or even face to face so we must be able to kind of have solutions that kind of address all of those ways without kind of having someone feel like they're accessing a mental health service for example but they're getting the right support in the way that feels comfortable for them and i think being able to kind of demonstrate that is, is is really clear and the way that we kind of communicate it you know yesterday I was really kind of pleased um, that NHS Wales has taken a national approach Eleanor Morgan the, uh, the Welsh Minister for for mental health uh, launched kind of silver cloud for, for every Welsh citizen but I was watching kind of the the Ireland versus uh, Wales football game I won't mention the score um, but <laughs> during during that um, advertisements for silver cloud and accessing support from NHS Wales were on the hoarding and it's just our kind of conversation is really important to make it familiar, to make it available in, in every type of setting. So it doesn't feel that this is an illness kind of approach, that this is part of our day to day experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of normalising it and seeing it in everyday situations like you see in, in the football where people who engage with that may not be the same people who would engage with other traditional um, means for it. And it, it segues were quite nicely into the fact that, as you touched on, SilverCloud are a digital mental health provider. And so it's obviously not a panacea for all, but what role does and can that technology play in providing mental health care in the modern day? Well, there's different ways of, of digital being able and technology being able to support new ways of working. And I'll, I'll talk about kind of some of the impact of that a little bit later on. But it's important to kind of know. So technology can really help transform and help us deliver services that we wouldn't be able to deliver face to face. So, for example, video or online consultations um, or text messaging, for example. And they're really fantastic because you don't have to be in the same place at the same time with the person. Um, but they are still what we would call a one-to-one -one approach. You still need to organize that to be on the end of your device at the same time, and you can only deliver the support to one person at a time. So whilst you have those efficiencies and you can overcome some of the restrictions that we currently live in, um, they, they, they're kind of limited in terms of some of their efficiencies. Then we can kind of have a look at what we call the one-to-many approaches in terms of digital or technology, where many people can access a service at the same time and, and gain support and benefit from them. And that's kind of where SilverCloud sits really as a one-to-many approach. And therefore, you kind of don't have a ceiling in terms of the efficiencies because, you know, as I mentioned, in terms of kind of Wales or places like Scotland or the NHS uh, improving access to psychological therapy services, they can kind of deliver services to as many people as want to access them immediately at the same time. And then what you kind of need to look at is in terms of awareness, which we talked about, but also kind of capacity. So what we found during the initial wave of COVID-19 is that a number of NHS mental health services either had to kind of significantly reduce their capacity because staff were redeployed, or even in some kind of rare cases, they were able to, uh, they had to kind of close because they didn't have staff available. During that period, we saw that referrals into IAP dropped in some months, not every month, but in some months by about 57%. But what we found with SilverCloud is that um, the use and reliance on digital increased um, very significantly. So in those same months where referrals dropped by 57%, the use of SilverCloud increased by 183%. 
to the point where in some of those months uh, during the initial wave, um, nearly 30% of all mental health care delivery in primary care in IAP was delivered via SilverCloud. Now, this kind of tells us the importance and the role that digital has to play. Now, kind of post-COVID, it might kind of drop down a little bit, obviously, you know, as services come come back online, as kind of referrals increase. But it just shows you the, the ability for digital to flex to surges in capacity needs, um, you know, around around a service. Today's episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast is brought to you by SilverCloud, the trusted leader in digital mental health and wellbeing. Over half a million people globally have been helped through their 30 plus digital therapy programs. Absolutely. And it's also very telling, isn't it, that if we, you'd maybe just took a the face value that some people might have, oh, um, referrals are down this way. Actually, that's not the whole story. And it's maybe just people getting services in different ways, special restrictions going on. They maybe didn't feel comfortable attending in person or it, they might have found a way that works better for them their daily lives. Absolutely. There's many different uh, reasons for that. I think one of the primary reasons is is kind of referral pathways. Uh, often in terms of getting access to, uh, to to a service, you have to go go via the GPs, for example. The GP is the is the, is the front door to to accessing services. So so you know that that might have been become a little bit more more difficult during the initial wave. People might be uh, be you know less less kind of wanting to do that, finding support elsewhere. So Silver Cloud spun up a number of different support services. Services, um, to help people access it in, in multiple channels. So, so people may have been accessing it in different ways. Um, people might have kind of found some, some barriers or hurdles or may not necessarily have been ready to access those. Um, but that's kind of the, the power of digital, being able to, to kind of be there when that person needs it, without wait, without delay, and, and in a way that's convenient to them. Yeah, and I suppose we touched on slightly there the, the key sort of points we need to achieve as a digital um, service provide, um, being provided. But have there been any real challenges sort of faced from SilverCloud, especially with such a significant move into sort of people accessing uh, more digital mental health um, provisions? Were there any significant challenges? Was there anything that sort of you adapt to working in a, a more digital sphere? Well, there's there's a number of different challenges, but I, I, th- I think they kind of cover a, a few broad areas. The first is making kind of your your programs and your content appropriate. So so when kind of COVID hit, we were aware that we had to kind of take a different approach. That and we talked about sort of the, the mental illness model versus the mental health model. Um, and so the way that you might kind of approach anxiety disorder wasn't necessarily appropriate because some of those kind of CBT techniques are about facing your fears and being able to challenge. Some the negative thoughts that you might have. Well, that's not appropriate given given a virus uh, and and the potential uh, for for kind of uh, contagion. So facing your fear, these are real fears. So so actually, you know that that it wasn't really appropriate. Some of the coping strategies that we might develop, such as uh, building on your social network, um, socialising and things that like that, weren't necessarily kind of appropriate either. So what we did is 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 we kind of had a look at well, how can we make a, a, some some programs and content that was appropriate. To, to kind of uh, dealing with life's challenges such as kind of COVID-19. So we actually developed a brand new program, Space from COVID-19, 
we developed that in less than two weeks and launched to market in 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 three weeks. Um, we pulled all of our development team. So that was one of the first challenges. How can we kind of be uh, as agile and nimble in terms of program and content delivery and get this um, out into as many people's hands as possible? So that's kind of one of our internal challenges. One of the other challenges is that you might be able to kind of make your service available. So so when we worked with NHS Workforce, for example, um, you know, and uh, the health service executive and, and other kind of NHS organizations, as well as the Department of Health and Social Care. We kind of spun that service up to cover about 5 million people uh, in, in less than a week. So the challenges around the technical side of those are, are fine if you have that scalability built into your platform. What's the biggest challenge is actually the awareness. It's no good just kind of making something uh, available if people aren't aware that it's there. And so one of the biggest barriers, one of the biggest challenges is how do you kind of let people know? And so often, you know, we, we rely on things like social media. But if we think about kind of, say, the nursing workforce, you know, a lot of these are, you know, a lot of people are working longer hours, you know, than they ever have, not having the time to kind of engage with social media. So if you kind of rely on one kind of channel to, of awareness, then that's going to be kind of, that's not necessarily going to, to kind of benefit the, uh, the awareness and the availability. So, so I think for, for me, that's one of the biggest challenges. How do you make people aware? So, so being able to have multi-channel campaigns, being able to, to kind of be able to, to make people see that this service is available. So, so for example, one, one organization we work with um, made this available for a very large grocers. Um, and rather than social media, they were putting posters on the back of toilet doors with a QR code. So people were able to kind of see that, access it, and, and that availability and awareness um, what was, was there available to them. So I think there's lots of different things that we can kind of um, play on. But th those are some of the biggest challenges uh, around awareness. Absolutely. And as you say, it's sort of having that innovative thinking to realize that perhaps the way that has always been done isn't necessarily the way that works best in the current situation. It's a very unusual circumstances, as we've mentioned. So perhaps it needs an unusual way of um, raising awareness or thinking about these things. Well, absolutely. And we can see that from, from NHS Wales with kind of the, the advertising during kind of uh, the football. So um, it, it does. And, and you know, often we, re we we kind of think around about kind of, you know, the obvious platforms like Facebook and Twitter um, and kind of throw out some of our old ways of working, um, you know, in favour of kind of some of the new technologies. I, I think we need to kind of embrace those innovative ways as well as kind of the traditional ones as well. We, we need to kind of access this um, elsewhere. And we, we've seen this, you know, in in places like um, in Essex. Um, so in the past, Mid-Essex CCG, the Clinical Commissioning Group, have, have done kind of a multi-channel campaign. They've had people on World Mental Health Day walking around the towns in, in Mid-Essex um, with kind of sandwich boards, you know, with, with kind of um, an iPhone on or a, a mobile phone on them saying kind of access digital support this way. They've done targeted Facebook ads where they, they wanted to kind of tackle young males at risk of suicide and depression. Um, so, so they've kind of done lots of different kind of campaigns around this um, with, with huge success. So yes, yes, we do need to kind of think, you know, really innovatively about, about, about that awareness. We don't do know people will use digital if they know it's available. Yeah, it's absolutely that sort of thing. And sort of as we move on to the, the next stage of questions, so hopefully looking forward into the future beyond COVID or at least into a, a world where we're more equipped to deal with it. Um, what sort of lessons that we've learned over the last 12 months do you think 
um, we can take for the future delivery of not just digital mental health services, but mental health services across the board. Well, I think I think some of the lessons are that digital should have parity with other traditional forms of therapy. So so we know that digital therapy is effective. Silver Cloud has published over 35 plus kind of uh, studies, including kind of the only long term follow up randomized control trial of digital therapy that was published in Nature uh, Journal earlier this year that showed that Silver Cloud was not only effective before, during and after treatment, but at 12 months, people had continued to make significant gains to the point where 50% of uh, people had shown significant reduction in the symptoms at 12 months after kind of that initial treatment episode. So we do know that it's effective. NICE has also can kind of confirm that in terms of their med tech evaluation. So we know that the kind of digital therapy is effective. So for me, the question no longer becomes, is digital therapy effective? The question should be asked, where can it now add more value for mental health services? And so what we've seen over the last uh, kind of eight to 10 months is that uh, digital therapy is used right across the board. So not just with people with mild to moderate depression or anxiety, but not just for people to help manage their well-being and improve their resilience, but also people with serious mental illness. So there's one service in northeast London, for example, that's using it in their psychotherapy service. That's people with, um, you know, significant kind of long term uh, mental health challenges, including people with personality disorders. And we've shown that uh, that that service has shown that 49 percent of people um, using kind of silver cloud as part of a multi component package of care has shown significant reductions on, on their core assessment measures, the core 10. So we know that it works right across the continuum of experience. We've also kind of uh, implemented this for children and young people. Whilst we're talking about adults right now, we shouldn't forget that some of the greatest uncertainty is with the young people today. You know, we've seen that in in Scotland um, that um, that they're kind of postponing exams. We've seen in Wales they they've kind of curtailed the exams in their GCSEs for for this year, and and England is still yet to kind of make a decision around that. So there's huge uncertainty around GCSEs, A levels, and beyond. So we need to kind of make sure that we are not just focusing on kind of, you know, adults, but also on the next generation as well. And that's kind of why we, we've kind of released a children, young people's um, program to, to help manage kind of anxiety. We have student versions for, for universities and 35 plus universities uh, use Silver Cloud. So I, th- I think it's really important that, you know, digital is used not just in one particular area, but can be used right across mental health services in different ways. Definitely. And especially as you, you touched on there with sort of young people in the next generation, being that proactive and being able to sort of help support now in means and in um, services digitally that are more attuned to the ways they will access services and uh, um, the sort of broad scope that will have a knock-on effect down the line because for many of those people who have support hopefully they can engage with services now they may not need to down the line because they may find sort of coping methods and ways that improve their mental health and as we say it's very much a spectrum yes absolutely and i think 
we need to um, look at that proactive prevention. The NHS is, is, is fantastic, you know, in, in everything that it does. Our workforce, you know, is, is commendable. Um, but often the, the, the National Health Service kind of is very reactive because it has to be. It has kind of limited resources and, and the ability to use those. So we often kind of work in very reactive ways. Um, and for the first time, I'm seeing this kind of real move to, to really great kind of planning and prevention because we can kind of foresee some of the things that are coming down the track. Um, and, and I think we need to kind of continue to build on that, that wonderful work in terms of planning, prevention, um, because there's so much things that we can kind of do now that's going to help us not only in the short term, but also in the long term, particularly with young people. You know, we do need to kind of make sure that that help is available right now. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked quite in depth there about sort of the future of mental health care going forwards um, from a more sort of silver cloud approach. Are there any milestones or objectives yourselves hold going forward in, I don't know, the short and medium term through to the long term? So so for us, um, there's a couple of things that are really important. As I mentioned, the children and young people is is a real focus for us yeah. because, you know, we need to, you know, everybody needs to invest in the children and young people. You know, this this is kind of the future generations. So, so we need to kind of do that right now. Um, and that means that not only do we need to kind of make our programs available for those that kind of pick up their mobile phone and use it, but also we know that kind of parents and carers, they're the ones that can kind of help um, they're, they're, they're kind of children, you know, so so being able to deliver parenting programs and things like that. So so that's kind of a real kind of focus for us. The other thing is that we know that um, digital therapy can be used in lots of different ways, from self-help to supported to being part of blended therapy. So for us being able to make sure that the different ways that people use Silver Cloud is maximizing their outcomes. Um, so earlier this year, we, we, we published in the Journal of the American Medical Association um, a, a piece of work that looked at machine learning to be, be able to predict outcomes using digital therapy. And what that machine learning did is it showed that there was typically kind of five types of users um, for those that kind of come in and use a lot of the content immediately and then kind of it tapers off to those that kind of come in and steady and log in frequently and regularly to those that might delay, etc. And from those five clusters, we, we can predict with, you know, a significant degree of certainty how well they're going to do. So that sh should allow us to be able to kind of tailor those that might access SilverCloud by themselves as self-help versus those that might want kind of support and, and need more of that. Um, so, so for us, just being able to kind of match the service to to the people accessing the service is really key. Yeah, I mean that in itself will have a, a huge impact because obviously, as we've touched on, the benefit of Silver Cloud it is one of these one to many services. But to be able to tailor that slightly gives you some degrees of the best of one to one as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, it, it, it does. And so, um, and, and again, being able to, to be able to tailor a service to the unique needs of, of the person is going to kind of improve. It becomes almost that self-fulfilling kind of virtuous cycle, doesn't it? That, that actually, if you, if you know how someone wants and needs services and you can tailor it to them, then the outcomes are going to get even better. Um, and therefore, that, that's going to just kind of um, make, make the outcomes benefit, uh, benefit everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose what's a really nice, strong sort of um, point to go on is we've talked a lot about how sort of we can get patients to um, engage with it, how we can get general public to engage with it. 
as a maybe clinician or an organization looking to use these sort of services, what would be sort of one piece of advice um, to them to deliver mental health care and particularly to engage with and be able to offer digital mental health care? Well, often as clinicians, when we go through our training, um, we're kind of trained in lots of different kind of tools and techniques, and we, we kind of then embed these in our practice. One of the problems is that the digital therapy is not yet kind of mandated on, on training courses. So often we're kind of working with clinicians um, that, that are kind of relying on their traditional ways of working. So I would say my one piece of, piece of advice is, is that let's kind of have a look at the evidence and, and try this to see whether this is going to benefit your clients you know the training is available the support is available um, from from silver cloud and and others and as we kind of embed this in some of the training courses like we have done at the university of central lancaster uh, lancashire or at U, uh, ucl in london you know as we start to kind of do that you know my, my own piece of advice is um firstly um see whether this is going to be effective for your clients and secondly don't make assumptions of who might benefit often we we kind of think well it's not going to benefit this person for these reasons and and often those those assumptions are, are you know are, are not always kind of correct so i would say just just don't make these assumptions over, over who will benefit or who won't um the client will let you know yeah amazing i think that's such a, a wonderful way to sort of leave on as a, a benefit of sort of digital mental health it's very much open to everyone um i think from both myself it's been absolutely fascinating to talk to you it's been really insightful um but similarly i'm sure from all of our listeners it's been a great sort of um breakdown of all the different aspects of what is something we've probably all heard of but have never really delved into so much um so thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today Lloyd. not a problem at all thanks very much for for making the time Today's episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast is brought to you by SilverCloud, the trusted leader in digital mental health and wellbeing. Over half a million people globally have been helped through their 30 plus digital therapy programs. Thanks for listening to this episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Join the conversation on social media or get in touch through the link on our website. To stay up to date with all the latest news and episodes, make sure to subscribe, drop us a rating on whatever streaming service you're using. This has been National Health Executive's Finger on the Post podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.